I invite you now at home to open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. We're going to be in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 this morning and then finding ourselves eventually in Hebrews chapter 12. But we're going to begin at verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 11. Now today we come to the end of our study of discipleship. Over the summer we have covered the call to discipleship in the Great Commission. We have learned of the reconciliation and the welcome that comes to us through discipleship. We've seen the need to endure in this process of discipleship. We've studied the cost of discipleship and the fight for discipleship. We've covered the need that we all have to follow the Lord. And this morning we come to the end of our study of discipleship and we look at the reward of discipleship. You see, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ means to learn the way of Jesus Christ. It is to follow Him. It is to learn through the Word and the Spirit how His life, death, and resurrection should shape your day-to-day living. And this process of being conformed to the way of Jesus Christ is no easy task. Jesus says that it is the narrow and hard way and that there are few who are willing to walk it. The reason that it is the hard way is because it is the way of the cross. Jesus says to His disciples, If anyone would come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow Me. Over the last few weeks, we've all been shocked by the rapid advance of the Taliban in Afghanistan. And we have heard the hardships that our Christian brothers and sisters are enduring because of their faith in Christ. This Thursday, our denomination held a webinar concerning how we might pray and help those who are in Afghanistan And we heard from missionaries who had just recently come back from Afghanistan, serving there for decades. We heard from a native Afghani Christian whose family is still in country. They have all been overwhelmed with calls and text messages from friends and family members who are still in country, and they're anxious for their very lives. Christians are being threatened. Family members have already gone missing. Taliban soldiers have been searching homes and cell phones for any evidence that one is a follower of Christ. And yet, I was struck by one comment that was repeated several times over throughout this webinar. While there is fear for life and family, the answer is not to remove every Christian from the country. It has always been dangerous to be a Christian in Afghanistan. And while it might be wise for some to leave, the people of of Afghanistan need a gospel witness. They need Christians who are willing to take up their cross and remain a light shining in the darkness. And so there are missionaries who are not planning to leave. There are Christians who will remain despite the heightened threats because Christ will not bow to the Taliban. He has claimed people from every tongue, tribe, people, and nation, including the nation of Afghanistan. And as the Word of God teaches, Christ must reign until He puts all His enemies 
under his feet. The call of discipleship is to make kingdom choices. It is to choose the way of Christ over the way of ease or of the flesh or of sin. It is to see the gospel go forward in the salvation of men and women and children and the transformation of their lives. It is not the easy, broad way, but rather the narrow, hard way of the cross. And whether you are a follower of Christ in Afghanistan, China, Uganda, France, El Salvador, or Lynchburg, Virginia, discipleship means counting the cost fighting the fight, enduring the race, taking up your cross, and following Christ. But why? Why would anyone do this? Why would you take the narrow way of discipleship when it's so difficult? Some might say, well, the reason that you follow Jesus and sacrifice is because it's the right thing to do. The Bible says we are to do it, and that's good enough for me. It is my duty to follow Jesus, no matter the cost, so I'll do it. However, the Word of God does not leave us with a bare command to take up our cross. Rather, when Jesus calls men and women to follow Him, He does it so that they might find life. Again, Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. But it doesn't end there. He says, for, why would you do this? Why would you take up your cross daily and follow Jesus? He says, for, whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Why follow Jesus? That we might have life for those who seek to preserve their life in this world by avoiding the way of cross will actually lose their life. But the one who is willing to be a disciple of Jesus Christ will receive the reward of life everlasting. In our passage for this morning, we come to this question, what is the reward of discipleship? And it's an important question to ask because there will come a time in your own life when you will have to decide, is following Christ worth it? Is it worth denying my own selfish desires? Is it worth the hardship of being rejected by family members or being ostracized at school or at work? Is it worth all of the sacrifices that I will have to make throughout my life to daily take up my cross and follow the way of Jesus Christ? And if you do not know the reward, if you are not looking to the reward of discipleship, then you can't rightly answer this question if it's worth it. So this morning we come to God's Word and we ask, what is the reward? So hear now, the Word of the Lord, Hebrews chapter 11, I'll read verse 6 and then skip down to chapter 12 beginning in verse 22. And without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists 
and that He rewards those who seek Him. Now verse 22 of chapter 12. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. This is God's holy word for us, His people. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Blessed are You, O Lord, our great God. We bless You for the testimony of the prophets, for the statutes of Your law, for the gospel of Christ, and for the witness of the apostles. O glorious God, grant us the spirit of Your glory, and the brightness of Your presence. That as we turn our attention to Your Word, that You would give to us understanding and faith. Would You set before us a foretaste of the reward that is to come, that we might taste and see that You are good. And we pray this through Jesus Christ, our gracious Lord. Amen. How do you please God? I'm sure that we could find a variety of answers to that question, how to please God. You please God by loving people. You please God by believing the gospel. You please God by following His law. You please God by winning people to Christ. You please God by serving and sacrificing and giving. And of course, those are all good ways That the Word of God teaches us to please the Lord. However, the book of Hebrews offers us an interesting angle on how we are to please God. Again, verse 6 of chapter 11, it says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Okay, We have to have faith to please God. For, now it explains what faith is, For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists, And that He rewards those who seek Him. The way that you please God is by believing in the reward of discipleship. It is by living in such a way that displays you are willing to let go of life here. You are willing to let go of earthly goods because you believe that there is a heavenly reward that far outweighs Whatever you lose. Now, between verse 6 of chapter 11 and all that we skip to get down to verse 22 of chapter 12, we are given example after example of how faith in the reward of God plays out in the lives of real people. Abraham believed that God would reward him with the land of Canaan, and so he was willing to leave his homeland because he was looking to the reward. Sarah believed that God would reward her with a child even though she was barren even in her old age. Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, they were all looking to the reward of a land in their sojourning. 
We read of Moses in verses 24 and 26 of Hebrews 11. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. For he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. You see, Moses was willing to give up all the wealth of Egypt to walk around in the dusty desert for 40 years because he believed that there was a reward that was better than everything that he had given up by refusing to be a part of the royal house of Pharaoh. He had faith to believe that what was to come was better than anything that he had left behind. And it is to these examples that we are to look in our own lives. For we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses that have gone before us. And these witnesses are saying to us, look to the reward. Whatever you might give up today will be repaid to you a hundredfold in the reward that is to come. And even more than these examples... We are called to look to Jesus Christ, the perfect display of faith in God's reward. For the Word of God tells us that He endured the cross, that He literally took up His cross. Why? For the joy that was set before Him. For the joy of the reward. You see, to follow the way of Jesus is a fight. There is a cost. But we please God when we count that cost and we believe that the reward is worth it. We please God when we have faith that what He promises is better than what we must let go. So what is the reward then? Well, the first thing that we see is that the reward of discipleship is described as a city. A city where God's presence dwells. Verse 22 of Hebrews chapter 12 says this, But you, speaking to those who have faith in God, who are looking to the reward, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Those who follow Christ have come to the city of which Abraham desired, the city which God has prepared. Uh, First, this city is described as Mount Zion. Zion was the location of the temple in the city of Jerusalem. And throughout the Bible, the concept of Zion developed from an earthly location of the temple towards the glorified heavenly city of God. You see, Zion became a picture of a land freed from the curse of sin and blessed by the very presence of God. Zion would be the location of God's eternal kingdom, the heavenly homeland towards which God's sojourning people pilgrimage. Second, this city is called the city of the living God. Again, it is the realm of God's presence, the location where man comes to dwell with God and God with man. And third, this city is called the heavenly Jerusalem. Now we must understand that the word heavenly here doesn't mean the immaterial Jerusalem. 
Rather, heavenly means transcendent. It's not abstract. It is not contingent. Jerusalem was the realm of God's people on earth, and the heavenly Jerusalem is the realm in which God's glorified people now dwell. And this is the reward towards which we are going. This is where our true citizenship lies, in the heavenly eternal city of God. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek a city that is to come. And in this place, all the effects of sin and death are removed. There will no longer be frustration or pain. There won't be COVID or cancer, hurricanes or wildfires, suicide bombings or emergency evacuations. In this land, there will be life and fruitfulness. And this is our reward, a city where God dwells and there is life everlasting. Currently, we live in a city, a country, a world that is filled with decay and frustration. A place where live streams don't always start on time. Where thorns infest the ground to the point that we have to work and work and work, and even then, sometimes the thorns still win. We live in a land that was not supposed to give us death, but was supposed to give us life. But through sin entering into this land, through our first parents, chaos and decay became the norm. But there is a city where frustration is gone. There is a realm where life, not death, reigns. There is a place where disease does not destroy. Over the last handful of weeks, I've spoken with two individuals the day before they went to see the Lord. And I had the opportunity to read with them these verses from Isaiah 25 that tell us of that land that they might be encouraged towards the reward. For it says, The Lord will swallow up on this mountain, that is Mount Zion, the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations, and He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of His people will will be taken away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. This is the reward towards which we are going. This is the city that God has prepared for His people. A better country and a heavenly one. It is a city that has foundations and whose designer and builder is God. It is a land that is eternally blessed with God's life-giving presence. This is the city which Luther spoke of when he wrote those memorable lines, Let goods and kindred go. This mortal life also, the body they may kill. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom, His country, His city is forever. The reward of discipleship is a city of life. The second aspect of our reward for following Christ is a blessed community. Look at how this community is described in verses 22 into 23. It says that we have come to innumerable angels in festal gathering and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven 
and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Over the past year and a half, we've all learned what it means to be separated from the ones that we love, to be separated from community, even this morning as we are separated from one another. We've been separated from parents and grandparents, children and grandchildren. We've had to do school at home, away from friends, work at home, away from colleagues, worship at home, away from brothers and sisters in Christ. However, there is a day when we will no longer be separated from the ones that we love, but we will be joined to all of those who are in Christ. First, we see that the community that we go to will consist of innumerable angels celebrating as though it were a holiday feast. The city towards which we are going is home to unnumbered heavenly beings that are called angels. And they will be praising God with the most glorious of songs. For they will be singing, we are told in the book of Revelation, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Second, there will be an assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. Now this language points us to the elect of God, those whom God chose before the foundation of the world. They are the firstborn in that they have been set apart by God as His own people, even as the firstborn of every animal in Israel in the Old Testament was set apart and was, must be dedicated to God Himself. And so when it says that the firstborn, an assembly of the firstborn, what it is saying is that all those whom God set apart for Himself will be in this city. There is a guest list and everyone on it will come. They will arrive in the city. No one whom God has called will be missing. Third, there will be the spirits of those made righteous. This is the same group as the firstborn. However, we look at it from a different emphasis. Here we see that these who are made righteous, who are made perfect in righteousness, are now freed from sin. All the faults and sinfulness will be changed and they will be conformed fully to the image of Christ. This is your reward, Christian. You will be invited into this heavenly community. You will be cleansed and perfected, freed from your struggles against sin. Oh, how our body of death causes us to cry out to God and struggle day in and day out as we seek to be purified from the struggles of our sin, from the brokenness of our flesh. But the reward to which we are going is that we will be perfected in righteousness, no longer struggling against our sin, no longer hurting other people, but able to dwell in perfect unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And that is the second thing we see, is that we will dwell in unity with all people, for no longer will your sin get in the way, nor will their sin get in the way of your relationship. For you will have communion, true and deep and rich and lasting communion with brothers and sisters in Christ. And you will be reunited 
with all of those who have already arrived in this heavenly city. All those who are enrolled to come into the heavenly city by God's grace will be there. And those whom death has separated you from, you will be reunited with them. And once again, you will be able to join your heart and your voice with all of those who are in Christ and with the heavenly host praising God with one heart and voice, free from sin. Oh, what joy awaits those who pursue Christ. For there is a city and within its gates is a people who will be filled with joy. They will welcome you and you will be drawn into a fellowship that's never disrupted by relational disputes or truncated by time or death. Never will your communion be fractured by disagreements or betrayal. You will be known and you will know. And you will join your voice with those of the angels and you will declare the holiness of God and the worthiness of His Christ. Forever and ever. The reward of discipleship is a city of God. It is a people of God. And the third thing that we see is that the reward of discipleship is the Christ of God. Look down at our text again in the middle of verse 23 into 24. We read this, that we have come to God, the judge of all, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. As we look at these three elements together, we see that the reward is the kingdom of God. The very kingdom that Christ came proclaiming, that is the reward that is for us. We are leaving the kingdom of this world and we are going towards the kingdom of God. There is a land, there is a people, and there is a king ruling over this kingdom. The land is free of death, the people are free of sin, and the king is just and merciful. The first thing that we learn about this king is that it is God who is the judge or the king of all. As the king of this land, he will judge us fairly. There will be no injustice. There will be no governmental mismanagement. He will provide and he will bless all of those who are under his rule. He will surely, as the judge of all the earth, do what is right. Second, we learn that the king of this land will be full of love and mercy. For he is the Lord Jesus Christ who shed his blood to establish this kingdom. For it is Jesus who went to the grave and he defeated death. He died and he was buried and then on the third day he rose from the dead. And in rising from the dead, he broke the chains of death and he established this new realm, this new country, this new city that is free from death's power. And he poured out his blood upon the cross to cleanse a people of their sin. To give to them both forgiveness of sin, but also the power to be completely cleansed. And one day, even as we read, perfected in righteousness. 
to make them fit for His kingdom. You see, the reward of discipleship is Jesus Christ Himself. For we are going to the city of God, to the people of God, because the Christ of God has come, He has died, and He has risen. It is because of His victory over sin and death that we even have a reward. You see, the reward is not something that we have earned. It's not as though we get heaven because of what we have done on earth. Rather, the reward is what Jesus has earned. And now we are called to place our faith in what Jesus Christ has earned on our behalf. For He now willingly and freely offers it to all who trust in Him. For this is faith. That we believe that God exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. This is what it means to have faith in Jesus Christ. You are willing to repent of your sin and believe that by His death you have been forgiven of your sin and by His resurrection you will be given life everlasting. Yes, there is hardship. Yes, there is struggles. But Jesus Christ is worth the hardships and the struggles of this world. The reproach of Christ is greater wealth than anything that this world might offer you. For He says to His disciples, In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? A people in a city? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Jesus Christ has gone to prepare a place for His people, a kingdom so that we can be with Jesus Christ for all eternity, so that we can gaze upon His beauty, so that we can know pleasures forevermore. For this is the reward of following after Christ, that you will come into the everlasting presence of your God and Savior, and you will worship Him for all time. As we have been thinking through the reward, our focus has been primarily towards the future, what is to come. However, we must understand that the reward of following Christ is not only future, but it is present. For our text says again in verse 22, but you have come. To Mount Zion. You have come. You already are there. Those who have been joined to Christ in faith have been crucified with Christ and have been raised with Christ and you have been seated with Christ in the heavenly places. The kingdom is coming, but the kingdom has already come. For even now we know the blessing of Christ as we sojourn through this world. And we can taste the blessing of a future country by the power of the Holy Spirit who is the the seal of our inheritance. We can taste the blessing of that heavenly community as we gather together with God's people and we sing praise to our Lord. And even now, we can know the communion that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ and taste and see that He is good. But we are sojourning onward. 
We are pilgrims going to another country. To that day when the veil will be removed and we will enter into the reward and we will behold our God, the Lord Jesus Christ. For now we have a kingdom, but we see it as in a mirror dimly. But one day we will see our reward, our Savior Jesus Christ, face to face. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, we pray that you would give to us the grace that we could look to the reward of Christ. That as we endure hardship and struggle, as we endure sin and betrayal and death, that we might taste the heavenly reward now. And that you would guide us, that we will enter into that kingdom, that city, that communion. We pray, O God, that you would bless, Lord, our congregation as we continue to seek wisdom during this time. May we seek wisdom that honors and glorifies you. It's in Christ's holy name that we do pray. Amen.